0: Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life.
1: So I want to jump into um, every state has challenges. And you have some that are, I think... They won't be unique to just about anybody watching this because these are challenges that happen all across the country and it's not just whitetail, it could be mule deer, could be elk. Um, and I'm going to turn to you initially because as the as the uh, veterinarian, you have to deal, you're on the front lines of some of these things. Um, at least that part of it. So we'll, we'll talk about antler point restrictions in a second, which is a big topic here right now. So um, I think you mentioned uh, TB at the um, beginning. So um, if you would just, Give us a quick rundown of what that is, and and tell us about what how you're having to deal with that here because it is kind of unique to Michigan because you don't see this in other places. It is.
2: It is. It is. Unfortunately, well, fortunately for the rest of the country, it is unique to Michigan. So. First of all, it's important to realize there's a little bit of alphabet soup, and I, I, I know that. You know, we talk about EHD, we talk about TB, we talk about CWD. I could make up acronyms and people would glaze over it. Um, but with TB, it stands for tuberculosis. I think and most people are, have at least heard that word. Um, but bovine tuberculosis is actually a livestock disease that many, many, many years ago likely spilled over into Michigan's deer herd. That was a long time ago, and now the big concern is, we know that this is a bacterial infection. Um, It's a well-characterized disease, we know a lot about it, but it's kind of one of those diseases that it's chronic, and once you get it into a free-ranging population, it is extremely challenging to get rid of. And so bovine TB is in, it's it's considered to be endemic, which means it's just part of, it's in a self-sustaining cycle, of disease with um, Michigan's free-ranging deer herd up in the northeastern northern lower. So I'm a big picture person, always, so you know Michigan, this is the beautiful thing, I think it's technically like this, but Michigan, um, the northeastern northern lower, so up here in this area, kind of in the Alpena, um, Alcona County area. So there's four counties that are considered to be um, the biggest concern for TB and livestock and there's five counties that we consider endemic in white-tailed deer. So again, the biggest problem with TB is that it is a a bacterial disease, but it can go back and forth between livestock and deer and have significant consequences for the cattle industry. So that's one of the things that we are are tasked with, um, monitoring over time and figuring out how can we use things like regulations, how can we have hunters help us in the fight against TB and TB is a little more clear than some of the other diseases like CWD in that we know uh, it's directly related to the density of deer. So if you can bring densities of deer down, you will bring down disease, and that's not true for other diseases, but with TB it certainly is. So it's something that uh, the DNR has been dealing with. The first detection was back in the 70s. We didn't really have another detection until 1995, so 1995 is when we really started doing our TB surveillance and and it continues to this day so we work closely with our department of agriculture
1: on that yeah so then let's go ahead and just jump right into the biggie yeah and that's (laughs) and that's chronic wasting disease um we'll have the the video will be part of this show uh likely at the end of this so if you're if you're watching stay with us but you guys put together one of the coolest uh, coolest yet unfortunate uh uh, videos that's like a high-speed deal in your lab where here come here come all the heads and all the samples and you process these how many how many samples last year? We did almost
2: thirty-one thousand.
1: Thirty-one thousand samples, um, and it just shows what your team goes through during that time. So, um, tell us what you're doing. And, and by the way, as I mentioned at the beginning, this state I really believe is—I mean, it's, it's just fact. You guys are real leaders in the country in terms of the number of samples you're doing and your diligence uh, of this disease and how you're trying to manage it. So. Take us through a, a, yeah, a day in the life. that that's, that's, that's
2: actually one thing I wanted to, to bring up, and, and you're absolutely right. I think um, it was it was one of the draws for me to come here in the first place from Missouri. So, Chad had made a comment. You know, you've been here for is it four and a half years. Um, see, I was listening. Listen to you. <laughs> I don't say I don't listen to you. But no, so I'm I'm just coming up on three years, and um, and one of the biggest draws for me up here was the fact that we have this phenomenal wildlife disease lab and it really is unique in the country. And we have got a wildlife health team that works out of that lab, about 10 of us total. Um, phenomenal people that have been doing wildlife health. They really are internationally recognized for the efforts coming out of that lab. And so I'm, I'm humbled by them daily um, because they're brilliant and they're really motivated. And so, yeah, we've got a good team. Um, a lot of that came out of the the several years of dealing with TB and really figuring out how can we do this large scale surveillance. But it is, uh, Michigan does have an international reputation for disease surveillance on these these massive scales. Um, I'm always quick to point out with CWD, we did a lot of testing last year. We did, almost 31,000 deer were tested. But that's not management, you know, and so I'm, I'm always kind of quick to bring it back that I, I like to talk about it because my team did a phenomenal job and, and I think the department did a phenomenal job with um, organizing and orchestrating that level of surveillance, but we still have a lot more to do on top of it. But on the surveillance thing, I'll just, just talk about that because that's what the lab does. Um, we've got it down to a, a fine art, honestly. We can process, we were processing a couple thousand heads a day just coming through and we have a lot of volunteers. We get a lot of students at Michigan State. Vet students come and help us. Mm-hmm. Um, staff from other state departments come and help us. So the State Department of Agriculture sent um, some of their folks to come help us on the Necropsy floor. So hopefully we'll get the cameras down there today and you can see a little bit of the area where that that, that magic happens.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, earlier the hunters, you need hunters Yeah. to help manage disease. And I think that's one thing that gets lost on people. They see cw disease a lot of time or cwd is something that um makes them wonder about hunting like well what's what's my future of hunting but i look at it the other way and say well we need you now even more than ever because we need the sample so just talk about how hunters have really stepped up to the plate here as well to help
3: yeah well i mean kelly mentioned almost thirty-one thousand samples that those were all voluntarily submitted. Now, not all of those were necessarily hunter-harvested but deer. But most were, right? Most, well, most of them have. absolutely yeah. were. Yeah, I mean, but we've we've picked up some roadkill. We have what we call targeted deer, so if we get a call about a sick deer that has symptoms consistent with CWD, we'll, we'll go out and euthanize that animal because right. chances are it's going to die anyway if it's in that poor of a condition, and, and have it tested. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, most of them are hunter-harvested deer. Most of the, they're all voluntarily submitted. Um, and that is a testament to not only one, you know, the hunter's willingness to have their deer tested, um, but two, like our, I feel like our outreach campaign and talking about the importance of CWD um, and, and, and the help that hunters can provide in terms of understanding the scale of the disease. You know, where where does it exist? Where does it not exist on the landscape? Um, and where it does exist, how frequently are we encountering it in, in our deer herd? that can't be done without hunter support. And I feel like our hunters have stepped up with that. They've really helped. Um, And and CWD is one of those diseases that it's really difficult to talk about because there's so much still unknown about it. And and so many of the impacts that we talk about aren't really being experienced today, but we anticipate that they'll be experienced in, in future years. And the reason we make that anticipation is because We're on a different timeline than a lot of other states and we can look at other states that have been dealing with this for a lot longer and see what kind of impacts it's having there and realize that we want to go down a different road. We don't want it to get to that point. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the huge challenges of
1: communicating this disease that I I run into is that it is a very slow uh, killer, okay, Um, from the individual animal all the way to population level. And it's... I, the way I try to explain it to people is, it's like if, if I decide each day I'm going to have just one milkshake every day. Like it's, it's probably not going to bother me that day too much, but we get to the end of the year, you're probably going to notice that I had a milkshake every. Day. I'm worried about you and milkshakes? Do you don't eat <laughs> my
2: milkshakes? Wait yeah. a minute, I'm starting. Well, you're to... running like ultra marathons
1: and stuff, so I'm not worried about you and milkshakes. But but you know that's what happens. It happens slowly over time. So people, and I totally get it. We were. A, I have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Um, the show me state. Yeah, Missouri, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's very hard for people to wrap their head around it. But then the other part of this is, and this is kind of where I live mostly, and that's on the policy political end of it. So here you are experts in these issues, Um, and not to embarrass you, Kelly, but when we talk about CWD nationally, there are always like a handful of names that always come up as the people that you have to have in the room, and and you're one of them. Um, So why is it that our, our politicians, still want to like get involved in the issue and that bothers, I'm not even just saying specifically here, but one of the things that challenges me is you have people with no background in this. They, they're being driven by passionate constituents, which I guess is good in one sense, but um, politics is really bad for this disease. Um, things like baiting, uh, which is an issue in this state, so um, it's hard to navigate that. Maybe talk about that.
3: Yeah. Um Well, so you're right, one of the big issues that we have in the state is baiting and feeding. And, you know, you can talk with pretty much most veterinarians, wildlife health experts, and say artificially concentrating deer around bait sites is not really conducive to disease management. You know, especially a disease like CWD, like TB, that's transmissible from one animal to another. The challenge with CWD is that it's a very inconvenient disease Um, because you're not seeing the impacts right away. um, A lot of times people don't see those impacts and want to delay the preventative measures that we put in place um, that that will keep it from getting worse. And baiting and feeding is one of those topics because you're not seeing the impact today. Baiting, even though it has very much biological impacts, there's a lot of sociology involved in that. that people are tied to that. Mm-hmm. People make money off of selling bait. Um, people as, especially as they get older might not be able to move around as much as they used to so it's more important for deer to come to them instead of them going to the deer and bait helps that. So it becomes really challenging and it affects people personally and immediately when you take away a tool from them, um, even though that tool is going to have impacts from a disease management perspective years down the road. Yeah, And
1: I think you explained that really well. I mean, it's, it is complex. I mean, this is not a discussion about whether I like to hunt over bait or not, or you do, or the next person. That's not the debate. What we're really talking about here is our decisions being guided by what the science says. Um, so, that puts us all in an awkward position sometimes where I might be doing something one way, but I think our responsibility is if the science tells us we shouldn't do X, then we, we probably shouldn't do it. I mean, that's...
2: Yeah, that's something we, we struggle with, and, I, and I, we come back to what we were talking about earlier, the importance of hunters, right? And the importance, from my perspective, of keeping, keeping hunters hunting. I mean, we, we need that. You know, we need it not only for surveillance. I mean, it's really important. Chad mentioned that all of our surveillance last year was voluntary. Mm-hmm. So we need to keep hunters engaged and keep them, but if something that, that we as hunters are doing, if the science strongly suggests, I mean, we've got a number of studies that have looked at this, um, strongly suggest that any practice we're doing could harm that resource. You know, It's time to look at, okay, how do you, how do you alter what you're used to doing and, and, and how do we do things safely? Um, because we don't want to make the problem worse. And I think Chad was absolutely right when you you talked about the fact that one of the hardest things with this disease is that it is slow. That's great. But that means you don't see a lot of sick deer on the landscape until you're really far along in the disease progression. And so when you're not seeing sick deer, when, you know, everybody looks good, you can kind of fool yourself into thinking this is not a big deal. And and that's what I worry about. And so there's so, so much sociology to it um and outreach is to hit that aspect of this as hard as we can and so we really i think michigan's really trying to to hit that aspect of this as hard as we can
1: yeah we certainly hear one of the biggest questions we get is where are all the dead deer i love seeing the dead deer and Mm -hmm. um and then your other problem not a problem it's a good thing but you see some states that have cwd breaking harvest records and they say well there's still plenty of deer and they're they're right there are currently still plenty of deer so it's very very challenging Um, but the science has to rule and i know uh, I know for a fact that we have legislators that watch this show because they email me and they comment. Um, so, you know, if, if if you're in one of those decision-making positions and you're watching this, we can't stress to you enough, let's have a broader conversation. Maybe your role, instead of introducing legislation that could be damaging, is to instead introduce an opportunity for us to come together and have these discussions productively, have them professionally moder- moderated so that people can get their say, so that we can hear from the people that... Um, just this is a practice they've done for everyone to hear their side. We want to hear the the science side of it, and let's have a good conversation and that's with c w d that's probably my biggest frustration is I see conversations happening in all the different rooms, and not enough of them happening in one big room, so I'm hope, hopeful that we can get there so uh, so i want I want to close this conversation on um, on a on an up note and that is um, It can be a difficult question to answer, but I want you to think about it. So, uh, since he got to go first at the beginning, i you go first on this one. (laughs) Uh, It might be harder, though, if she takes your answer, uh, but then I can just agree, so... Just nod. Yeah, perfect. So, what would you like the average person that only recognizes the logo of the Department of Natural Resources? That's what they think of when they think of the DNR. What would you like that people to know about the people that work here and and your mission and your job and even just personally about your work?
2: God, now you're going to make me cry. I get, I do, I get a little emotional. That
1: would be a a new... Um, uh, Would this be
2: a first? first? Fantastic, leave it to me. Um, No, honestly, I think what I will say uh, of the people that I work with. So I work for the Michigan Department of Natural Resources and um, the people that I have... Gotten to work with, and the people that I work with every day, are bar none some of the most dedicated, compassionate, intelligent, brilliant moms. We are dads. We are brothers and sisters and daughters. You know, we we are people, and we moms. We are dads. We are. It's easy care very deeply about the work that we do, and um, it's easy care very deeply about the work that we do, and um, it's easy care very deeply about the work that we do. And um, it's easy to sort of look at DNR employees as nameless, faceless, you know, fear mongers, and and we're not. I mean, we really are looking out for the health of our natural resources. We are looking out for um, continuing traditions of wildlife recreation. I have two little boys a lot of what I do is guided by, I want my little boys to have the same opportunities that I've had, that generations before us have had, and so, I think that's one thing I would like to communicate, is that we are working as hard as we possibly can for something we care very deeply about. See and I like, I I held it together, I don't know how, would you stop, you know, but I, The bar is high
3: now. Yeah, Yeah, right? you have to break down at this point. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I, I mean, I agree with everything Kelly said. Um, there's some fantastic people in there, and we have an emblem on our shirt. Every every one of our colleagues in other state has emblems on their shirt, too. And there are politics involved when you wear these emblems, and that can be frustrating from the outside looking in and from the inside looking out. Uh, that That's just a matter of fact. Um, but... When we talk about the decisions that are made, when we talk about why we do what we do, um, really the foundation is because we were we were people before we put these emblems on that were passionate about this this course, uh, this 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 resource, and that's why we we went down that course. That's why we're yeah. doing what we're doing because we want to see that and we want to be part of the solution long term. Um, so yeah, it's when we don't have these emblems on our shirt, we're doing the same things that everybody else is doing. Okay. Um, you know, we're we're hunting, we're fishing, we're hiking, we're camping, we're we're enjoying all of these things. So that's that's important to me to get people to know that it's not just a name that has you know a business card with an emblem on it type thing. It's that you know i've got gun safes too that i use and we we eat game in our house and we go fishing and we do all of these things. it's not like, it's not because we're trying to stop hunting it's not because it's not because we're trying to stop hunting it's not because we're trying to impact people negatively it's not because we're getting all this money and kickbacks from insurance companies. <laughs> right, like that right. doesn't happen. I don't even know what that would be. Um, it's because we have our eye toward the future and what that looks like. And you know, we're certainly managing for today, but more importantly, we're managing our resources for tomorrow. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: I think that's excellent. And uh, I have yet at any of our national meetings where we have all the state agency people together, I've never met anyone yet that says, Man, I'm really enjoying rune and hunting for uh, <laughs> deer hunting for people in my state. So, uh, But uh, I appreciate you both very much. Uh, you guys are doing a wonderful job. I appreciate you being on the show. And thank you for setting a, a great national example as well for others to follow. And uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thanks, Thanks for having us, Nick.
1: Absolutely. Appreciate it, Thanks.